Hi, hi. We're here. Really stoked to be here. Welcome to The Same Drugs with Megan Murphy. I'm Megan Murphy. I'm Laura McNally. Um, Thanks everyone for tuning in and joining us. We have a lot to cover tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple things. As always, I suppose. Um, I feel like this is... I feel like this is a bit bigger though. The, the the topics that have blown up this week. I I mean there's big been big topics blowing up a lot of weeks, but these topics in particular seem to really really get people fired up like way more than than you would expect. For example, the word woman it's it's a, it's a word and yet there's this raging debate about how we spell it. It's a, it's a very large response to a word. Um, yeah, I mean, you would think that um, I, you wouldn't think it would be a major, a major debate because um, I don't know. I mean, I actually I started looking into the word woman spelt with an X to figure out where that even came from. And it doesn't really seem to have, like, it doesn't mean anything. It hasn't come yeah. from anywhere. So I found it sort of odd that all of a sudden it has this supposed meeting. I'm like, who who decided that it meant this? And why yeah. does this even matter? Um, I don't know. I guess we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, I guess. But, yeah, sorry. But, what were you saying? Well, we probably <laughs> should be getting ahead of ourselves because I feel like last time somebody in the comments was like, well, I've been watching for 15 minutes and you guys haven't said anything yet, so see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, okay, so just so that everyone knows, we agreed that we'll discuss all of our personal stuff on Patreon only. So that means you should sign up because you definitely want to hear our stories about our personal lives. Um, in in the comments, your your boyfriend has both has has let everyone know that we're glowing somebody said we were glowing and he said we're both glowing because we're pregnant so he's already divulged you know our big news that laura and i are (laughs) pregnant together we timed this like exactly right because we wanted to be able to you know um bring our babies into the whole youtube scene and they could grow up with us and uh and we'll only share their journey on Patreon, so you're going to have to sign up to hear more about the babies. Hopefully your baby is allowed in the club. Yeah. I hope, I mean, I hope that my baby's allowed at the bar. Although <laughs> in Vancouver they just closed down. Fucking COVID, man. Um, they just closed down all the clubs, which I don't care about. And they I know that this is just, I'm like, I don't go to clubs, so I don't care. But really, yeah. they should not have opened the clubs in the first place. That was yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, that's obviously, that's not going to go well. But mm-hmm. because, I guess, the clubs were a space where COVID was spreading, our numbers have gone up in B.C., um, and I suppose also probably from, I don't know, house parties, like big events, big gatherings, things like that. They've shut all the clubs down, shut down the banquet halls, and they've also put a fucking, basically a curfew on us, like we're a bunch of fucking babies. There's, they're shutting down all the bars and restaurants at 10 p.m. 
I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's so lame. Well, and it's like, man, COVID isn't spreading in little restaurants and bars. Like, I, you know, like a little, a little, little restaurant that has like 20 people in it or something like that. Bars, you can't even, you can't get hardly any people into a bar the way that the rules are because of social distancing and capacity and stuff like that. That's not what's causing the problem. And I feel like, first of all, I mean, it sucks. But second of all, I feel so bad for all the, the you know, restaurant owners and bar owners who own these little pubs and restaurants and are already struggling, have been struggling because of the lockdown, has been, have been struggling because of um, the social distancing measures and so on and so forth. And now it's like, okay, I guess they're just done. Yeah. And also it's really boring. Like I really like being able to go out late. Like if you have to leave by 10, it's like, what is there any point going? I mean, people will I know I used to not go out until like midnight, Mm -hmm. but I mean, now I'm like, what we have to go out at like 2 PM. Like mm-hmm. to get enough time in <laughs> to put in our, our our full bar evening hours. I just want to know, like, when can we do things? That's that's my main question right now. Is like, when can we do actual things? Because what it's starting to get really frustrating. Just the fact that no one can have events and you can't like plan really for anything because it might just get stopped as soon as you start planning it so you better not bother planning um it's just starting to get frustrated now like come on we've got to we've got to at least start coming up with some solutions that are like giving us some fail safe options surely i know i mean this just it's this isn't workable at this point mm-hmm. i mean i don't know how they expect people to manage i don't know how they expect people who are you know working in those industries to survive who own those businesses um like i don't know what we're supposed to do all winter if we're not supposed to be like seeing other people or doing things i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know it's pretty depressing yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's more than boring. I mean, it's going to have like a major impact on people's livelihoods and the economy and mental health and, and all of that. Um, I mean, I, like I've complained about this before, but it's like, well, families will be fine. Um, mm. Everybody else will fare less well. Or some families, families depending on what, not not working class families. Working class families probably won't be fine. Um, yeah, middle class I, families will be fine. I think families that have some pre-existing dysfunctional dynamic, um, you know, a lot of people get to manage their kind of dysfunctional relationships by just like having a lot of time apart from each other. And like you both go to the office all day so you don't see them or like the kids are at school all day and then they do after school activities and then they do this and that. Like if those people keep getting stuck together th- when they have some kind of dysfunction going on, that's going to be really bad for them. I And I'm sure we'll see the the flow on effect. Um but yeah, that's really. Someone hard. in the comments said, "I mean, some families are going to be effed with the schools opening." No, they're not. They're going to thank God the schools are opening. Otherwise, the families really would be fucked. <laughs> I mean, how are people supposed to go to work if the schools are closed? 
What are the yeah. kids supposed to do? They're supposed to keep homeschooling their kids? That doesn't seem feasible to me. The kids are going to be fine. Kids aren't going to be screwed over by COVID. I mean, it's more of the issue of keeping them away from vulnerable people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, then they bring COVID home. But, I mean... I, I again I think that this is this is primarily a matter of ensuring that vulnerable people are protected and kept safe because it seems to me that that is who is being impacted the most people in care homes and things like that you know mm. people um, with immune disorders uh, mm. but I mean I don't know we can't we can't just keep schools shut forever I mean that mm. just won't work for people but I mean at the same time we can't keep you know closing down businesses like this and you know not having any events um I yeah something's got to give and it doesn't matter which thing you choose people are going to be outraged and it's like you can't you can't take a risk with this thing you can't take a risk with the economy or you can't take a risk with vulnerable people's health or you can't take a risk with kids at school like there's going to be risks this is going to be the new normal we're going to have to adapt yeah, whichever way true. we play it there's not going to be a, a magic cure it's mm. not going to suddenly disappear um i mean there at least the the gender reveal parties aren't being shut down <laughs> most important things which are to announce to a bunch of people who don't care what sex your baby is not gender because let's all remember that sex and gender are two different things but yeah. also nobody seems aware of that so what is it like what is gender reveal i feel like people when they say like why would i guess they don't say sex reveal because that sounds vulgar to people sounds so like, they say gender reveal which is such yeah. an odd thing to say because it's like yeah. I'm revealing that my unborn child is going to be very feminine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, do you know what? I think a lot of the issues and debate around sex versus gender would, it would be really helpful if we had another word for sex. Like if the intercourse and sexual, like your actual bodily anatomy were not in conflated as the same word if we just had two separate words this whole thing would be so much easier to deal with yeah i mean i i wish that there could just be like some kind of mass education where we were like this is what sex means this is what gender means can we all move forward on this basis so that we stop having these really confusing conversations yeah um and, and conflating these two things if we're uncomfortable with the word sex because it's got something to do with intercourse, maybe we should, like, come up with another word for sex, as in your biology. That might be a better solution than changing the spelling of the name woman because <laughs> of some Like, if we, can, if we can change language for comfort, then surely we can change the word sex to something that doesn't mean intercourse so that people are really clear that you're announcing your baby's biological makeup. You're not announcing how they look or dress or something else. Yeah. It's okay. So because, so somebody had a gender reveal event in California and started all these horrible fires. Did you hear about this? There was some like 
uh, like a firework or some kind of, you know, some something sparked a massive fire in California that is a real big disaster um, via their gender reveal party. And so far, it's destroyed more than 7,000 acres of forest. <laughs> and uh, oh the women God. the women who supposedly started gender reveal parties back in 2008 um, <laughs> posted on fo- Facebook being like, stop having these stupid parties for the love of God. Stop burning things down to tell everyone about your kid's penis. No one cares but you. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Okay, okay, but is this not the case for so many things to do with getting married and having kids where it's like yes, they have a party for everything. It's like we're we're having an engagement party, then we have a bridal shower, then we have a hen's party, then we have the wedding, and then we have this post-wedding party that everyone seems to have now, and then like we're pregnant. We're having a party for that. Now we're revealing the gender. We're having a party for that. Now we're having a baby shower because we need gifts for the baby. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) No, I'm not coming. Well, and God, like it's, I mean, I don't know. I sort of think, are there, there, there are more important things that happen in people's lives sometimes than having babies and getting married. Those are the only two important things that happen in people's lives. And apparently they're the only things and the most important things. And everybody else should care um, mm-hmm. about every single thing to do with your child and, mm-hmm. and this wedding ceremony that is totally unnecessary. I mean, I don't want to diss weddings too much because I really like weddings. Mm-hmm. But I don't like babies that much, so yeah. <laughs> I like—I mean, I like going to parties as long as they're fun. I don't want to go to a boring wedding. If you're going to have some like boring ass wedding where there's not going to be drinks and dancing and fun and good food, then no, don't make anybody come. Why would you like subject people to that? <laughs> um, I don't know because well, I guess there's a lot of cultural expectations and kind of like pressure on people to do things the way other people expect them to do. So, uh, and also of course there's people like the amount people spend on weddings and shower gift party events and like it's wild. So there's definitely an element of like keeping up with other people, putting on appearances, competing with your friends. Uh I think, I mean, there's, what other events could we have parties around? I mean, I I feel like there should be more divorce parties. I feel like mm-hmm. that should be celebrated more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, birthdays, obviously. I guess people seem to stop being as interested in birthday parties as they get older, but not I. <laughs> I, I just feel like there should be more things to celebrate in life. Like, what about people who can't have kids or choose not to get married? Like, they're just totally ignored. They never get to have these big gatherings. They don't get to... I mean, weddings are nice, actually, because it's like all your friends and family get together and everyone's really happy and everyone's celebrating. And, like, it's just a nice excuse to have a party and a nice excuse to get people together. And there really isn't anything else. And I find it unfair. I think the thing with birthday, like people not doing birthday celebrations so much is that um, if you have kids, your birthday celebrations become all about kids. So like the kid parties aren't fun. Oh, I know. They're the worst kind of parties. Yeah. 
I know. The world is backwards, Laura. (laughs) We had this conversation about babies and we've already upset people once, so we shouldn't do it again. But uh, what else happened with the baby gender reveal thing? Oh, that's it. They started a massive fire and it's like a major disaster and it's impacting all kinds of people in Southern California and they can't get the fire out. That's crazy. It's terrible. Um, there's a bunch of fires in BC right now too, actually. Um, which is unfortunate because I'd sort of thought that we were, we were safe this year, but when I was driving home from Nelson, it was super smoky on the way up. It was super nice. And on the way back, Nelson is like a, it's a, about an, supposedly it's a seven hour drive from Vancouver, mm-hmm. but it also could be like an 11 hour drive, depending on who's driving. <laughs> Like how fast they're driving, how slow they're driving. Well, I made okay. I made good time in the first half, and then it got dark, and I made the same mistake on the way back too. So the when as soon as it got dark, it was like it was a really nice drive. I was having a really good time for like I don't know four or five hours. Then it got dark, and then you're like almost alone on this super windy. Highway for like four fucking hours. There's deer all over the road because as soon as dust really? falls, the deer come out. So you have to drive slow because you don't want to hit the deer, but you also oh, have to drive slow no. so you don't drive off the cliff. And the only other cars on the road are the massive semis. I was getting oh. like passed by semis over and over and over again. Oh. I was going so slow. <laughs> and I'm not a slow driver really? normally. Like I, I like speeding. <laughs> but now when, it, when it's dark, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, you're literally oh like you're God. way up high in the mountains, so you're on like the edge of a cliff. And I was like, "Is no one else except me scared that all of a sudden they're just gonna like jerk their hand the wrong way and drive straight off the cliff?" Fall off a cliff. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so That's scary pretty- and stressful. And I was like, "Okay, Megan, never yeah. again. You have to leave your ha- you have to leave earlier so that you don't have to do half this drive in the dark." And then I did the exact same thing on the way back. Oh, dude, driving in countries with big animals that come onto the road, it's so stressful. Like, Australia is full of kangaroos. They always they come to the cars for some stupid reason. Oh. And it's so stressful. Like, you have to just constantly watch in the areas where they live, like, just waiting for one to come out so you can slam your brakes on. Because obviously they'll ruin your car if, if you run into them. Right, right. Is that the same with deer? Oh yeah, it would, it would, it would wreck your car for sure if you hit a deer. But also I'm just worried that I would just, my autumn, I know you're not supposed to swerve, like you're just supposed to hit it, but I'm worried that I would just see it and like swerve off the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also, I don't want to hit a deer. It would make me feel so sad. Yeah, I know. It'd be horrible. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So this is, I think maybe this is the beginning of the end of gender reveal parties. I'm sure these nice. people have been sufficiently I'm, shamed. How I'm surprised they haven't been cancelled yet for uh, assigning or assuming the gender of babies. I know. Isn't it odd? Like, why haven't they been labeled transphobic yet? Because um, how do you know? They probably have, how do you know but- the gender of your baby? Like, how could you possibly know how your baby feels about their sexed body parts when they're yeah. inside the womb? Yeah. Well, or if they I guess like dresses better than pants or dolls better than trucks. Um, or if they want to, you know, I don't know, get fake tits. 
I'm guessing that like that people have tried to cancel gender reveal parties, but obviously not very successfully because they're like full steam ahead. And honestly, I don't think this will end it either like fires or whatever. People are still going to make a big deal and want presents and it looks good on social media and our friends want us to have it and our moms want us to have it. So we'll I don't think anybody it. wants them to have it except for the people having it. Like, do your friends really give a shit? Do you, would you, do you give a shit if you're like your friend's pregnant? Do you care if it's going to be a boy or a girl? Like what impact does that have on you? None. I don't know, but it's a big question, isn't it? Like when people are pregnant, it's the first thing it's like, is it a boy or a girl? I guess so. I mean, what else do you say? I this is one of Way the things go. that's Yeah, like your life why... is ruined for the next twenty years. <laughs> you gotta have <laughs> something Enjoy not sleeping. Is it a girl or a boy? Or neither? What is it? Um, it might be Zoomer, the non binary baby. I just read an article about uh but written by a woman who had a kid and didn't want to like impose gender on it. So um, named it Zoomer and has been raising it without gender. Um, and she was like, it was a little confusing for people at first, but you know, she's like, she has like a PhD in gender studies. And I mean, so I have so many questions like, you they're know, so how insufferable. Do explain, how do you explain this kid's body parts? She, she, she started crying when um, it was time for like, track teams at school the kid's super young so i'm surprised that they even have track like i think at like five years old or something like that and she was like and i started crying because they divided up the boys and the girls like i guess because zoomer wasn't gonna know which which team to run for none of their friends had said boys have dicks girls have vaginas like i think i I think it's too young it i i don't know what it is But, like, I think that's kind of cruel of a parent not to tell you what your sex is. I mean, you there's so much information that you need around sex. Like, yes. And, and then something like this happens. Like, how do you explain to your kid, like, oh, like, you can't, you can't run because I can't tell you what sex you are. And, like, you start <laughs> crying because there's a boys team and a girls team. Like, you're the baby. Grow up. Like. They're so needy and insufferable. Like, and this is the thing. This is why, and everyone tells me to stop talking about money, but I can't because this definitely has something to do with people who have a lot of money. Like, there is no way if you're poor and you don't have time to fuck around, like, holding your kid's hand all the time and explaining things over and over. And I've got to go and tell the teacher, don't use boy or girl with my child because my child's special and I need to educate everybody to talk to my child differently. There's no way people that don't have money would ever do that because they don't have the fucking time. They just get on with life, like move on, suck it up. Like whatever's happening, you've got to deal with it. You're a kid. Kids have shit and Adults have to work. That's how the world is. But like these people that are, they're so anxious and they, and they obviously want to coddle their child because they think that that's going to somehow develop mentally, make them safer or more secure or whatever it is they're trying to achieve. And it's like, you're not going to achieve anything except fucking annoying everybody else (laughs) it it sounds like an academic experiment that she's doing with her kids you know what i mean it's like you're imposing your your weird theory onto your kid 
And your poor kid is going to grow up being confused about like why it has a penis or a vagina or like, you know, why this is happening to their body. I mean, I'm assuming they'll figure it out eventually, but uh, I mean. Yeah, it's all this confusion for what? So that you felt comfortable because you subscribe to the view that gender is a feeling and you have to wait for the feeling to emerge from the person naturally without imposing anything on them. I mean, people have been trying to do gender neutral parenting for like decades. And I'm sure that the studies that have come out of the kind of progressive Scandinavian countries, I'm sure that the studies are fairly concrete now that the gender neutral parenting doesn't really in particular change anything for the children. The the outcomes tend to be the same. They still tend to group together girls versus boys and they have fights and girls still tend to pick certain types of toys rather than boys. And it's like, why put you're doing so much spinning your wheels and stressing out and stressing your kids out and doing all this shit. And for what? Like what is the concrete outcome? I think that it's useful to teach your kid that they can, you know, be whatever they want to be and do what they want to do in terms of, you know, the toys they want to play with. They can dress how they like to dress. And I mean that they, they aren't limited by these sexist stereotypes. Um, but I, I mean, it's also interesting because some kids do just sort of naturally gravitate towards certain things. And I mean, it's very difficult to determine how much of it is nature and how much of it is nurture. But I mean, when I was a kid, I've talked about this before. I hated pink and I hated, you know, girly things when I was little. This is like pre-puberty. Um I wanted to play with the boys' toys. I wanted to play with the boys. I didn't want to wear dresses. Um, I didn't want to do, like, ballet. And when I did do ballet, which I hated, I wore, like, the boys' ballet uniform or whatever. Yeah, I wore the black one. It's like, I'm not wearing a pink leotard. <laughs> and um, and I had cut my hair short. Like, I, But, I mean, I really identified with tomboys when I was a kid, right? Like, I loved... Pippi Longstocking and Mm -hmm. Punky Brewster and like these little girls who were sort of, you know, wanted to have adventures um, Mm -hmm. and who were strong and, you know, tough and, and yeah, could play with the boys and stuff. But my sister wasn't like that. My sister really did identify with femininity a lot and liked the whole dress shoes, frilly dress thing, ballet, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera. And that may have just been like, you know, us individuating or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe I was born, you know, more masculine than her somehow. You're dizygotic twins, right? So you you don't share. Yeah, um, we came from two separate eggs. Yeah, so different people. I mean, uh, is it Deborah So that just released the book on the end of gender? Deborah yeah. So, I think her name is. Um, I think she talks a lot about uh, the, the links between um, the levels of testosterone and estrogen that you're um, absorbing when you're uh, in the womb and how that would in, in fact affect the way you um, play and interact with other people uh, when it comes to gender. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I got to interview her. I've been trying. I've been working on it. And uh, I want to read her book. 
Um, but yeah, and then so one of the big things that happened this week, of course, which you mentioned earlier, <laughs> to move um, from gender to women, which are not real things anymore because we're so inclusive and open-minded around gender that there's just no such thing as a woman anymore, um, was that uh, TEDx London um, uh, announced on Twitter that they've started using women spelt W-O-M-X-N instead of women spelt the way that you would spell women with an E <laughs> and they, 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 they use the term without explaining and then responded to their own tweet explaining saying, no, that's not a typo. Women spelt with an X is a spelling of women. That is more literally, this is literally that is more inclusive and progressive. The term sheds light on the prejudice, discrimination and institutional barriers women with an X have faced explicit and explicitly includes non cisgender women, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't know why spelling women with an X includes non-binary women or trans women or whatever they would say it includes. And I have no idea how it sheds any light on any of these things. Like how does spelling it with an X shed a light on the prejudice, discrimination and institutional barriers women with an X have faced? I mean, <laughs> that was my first question. I'm like, how does a word do that? Like one, you put the letter X in a word and it's suddenly shed the light on all the barriers that are institutionally imposed. I mean, that's a lot of work for one letter. To like do. how is that communicating any of that information or history to anybody? <laughs> Especially like this is a new word. Like there was, you know, in the seventies feminists, started spelling some feminists started spelling women with a y instead because they didn't want the word men in the word women yeah i could care less um as yeah. far as i'm aware i was trying to look into the origins of, of the word woman and i mean way back when there was just one gender neutral term as i understand it um there was uh what was it? Were, were, there was, there was a third word. There was a word that, that meant just person or human being. And then they added were onto it. So there was a word that was like man, but the word man was the gender neutral word. And then they could add were, they added were to it. And then that meant adult male person. And then they added W I F. And that would mean to this, to man to mean adult, adult female person and then of course with became wife so i think there was a time when when that word specifically meant wife so i mean i guess there's some semi-sexist origins but for a very 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 long time now women has just meant adult human female um and yeah and even in the 70s like when they replaced e with with Y, that still meant, um, as they called it at the, the Michigan Women's Music Festival, women born women. So it still specifically meant females. And then this women with an X thing is like really new. And it's basically, I mean, it's basically signaling intersectionality to people. Um, I don't think it actually means anything and I don't know why there's no explanation anywhere on the internet that I can find as to why X 
implies or or you know has any kind of association with transgenderism or non-binary identity um it seems to just be what those types the third waivers the intersectional whatever you want to call them feminists uh the trans activists it seems to sort of be like a a dog whistle for for trans politics um and i guess apparently in 2016 the Seattle Women's March organizers, which, like, of course, yeah, it's either fucking Seattle or Portland, like, <laughs> the worst people in the world. And Vancouver, I feel like, is going to ease on in there. Vancouver is, yeah. like, as bad as those places politically. It's just that there's way less of us and yeah. and people are kind of quieter and and lazier i think maybe <laughs> like people are like less interested in looting and rioting but yeah. uh you know all the all the youngish hipsters in vancouver share you know seattle slash portland style politics uh-huh. so i gotta get the bug out of here um uh-huh. but yeah i guess the seattle women's march organizers in 2016 decided to call it a women's march women with an x instead of a women's march and um, one of the organizers, Ebony Miranda, who's non-binary, I guess, uh, was the one that proposed it. And she, I don't know if she's male or female. Um, her understanding of the word was women, this was her definition, women and those affected by misogyny or women-related issues. Oh, interesting. Tell us more. There is no more. <laughs> <laughs> Like what is so any I guess any person who's affected by misogyny or women related issues, which theoretically could just be anybody because men are affected by women related issues. For example, when women have babies, that affects men. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I guess you could argue that men are affected by misogyny in some ways. Like if you're not properly performing masculinity, you're obviously socialized um, in a world that contains misogyny. So that's just all people. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. There's two things that are really funny here. One is that like, we still haven't gotten to a point in time where people don't say like mankind and like people still use male related terminology to relate to the whole of humanity. So people still say shit like mankind and stuff like that. And we haven't really been able to resolve that, but somehow we're already changing the spelling of the word woman. That just seems wild to me. And I'm not saying I particularly care when people say mankind. I just think it's kind of lame. Um, but it's it's just wild that we can change the spelling of the word woman and we actually can't stop referring to males as like the default. Um, the other funny thing, though, is that I thought that uh, progressives had already cancelled the word womson because they decided it was actually trans-exclusionary. Um, I'm just looking up somebody's post about it. There's someone on Twitter, uh, Instagram called that black librarian. Okay. She did a post about how we're no longer using the word Wumson. Wumson? Wait. I'm just saying it how it's spelled. I'm guessing that's how you say it. Oh, with an X. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I have no idea how to say it. So, um... 
She says, rebranding woman with a Y to woman with an X creates dangerous situations for trans women on whether spaces really do accept them or are just trying to seem inclusive, which leads to the question, who are we actually including with Woomson? Um, and then gave a history on the term woman with a Y um, and basically said that people should not be using the word woman with an X anymore um, unless, of course, it feels comfortable for you. You should continue to use it for you. It also has a significance in native communities that I'm not referencing in this post. Okay. Um, so basically they're saying we shouldn't really use it anymore, um, which, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't actually still understand what they're trying to achieve by changing the spelling of the word woman. Like people keep saying that, trans women are exactly the same as women and the only way we're going to get trans women their rights is to make them exactly the same as women and then they're like but no you have to change the spelling of women to include trans women like but you said they were exactly the same so why would you change the spelling of the word if you think those two like that's just yes. completely illogical this is an argument I've made also around cisgender because it's like, okay, well, if trans women are literally women, then can't we just say women? Then why are we differentiating? You're admitting that there's something different. If you're saying yeah. you're cisgender, then you're admitting that there's something different about trans women versus supposedly cisgender women. So please mm -hmm. tell us what it is. And I suppose that some of them would say, oh, well, it's that I was wrongly assigned at birth and now this is my true identity but at, at the same time you're still you're insisting that there's absolutely no difference between women right. and so-called trans women so right. what is yeah you're right what is all this why do we need all these changes in language then just keep saying women and include men under that umbrella which of course they do that also but i don't actually understand what is this meant to benefit? Because as far as I can see, most trans women are pretty comfortable being called trans women. I, I don't understand who is it that's saying, no, trans women must be called women all the time, only women. Like, as far as I understand, people in that community are wanting to normalise the language like talking about trans women so why would they want to do away with the trans part and just use the word woman? Like I think this is actually a really good question. I think that the key question here is what are they trying to achieve? Mm. Um, you know, with all these changes to language and this neutralizing of, you know, talking about women's specific issues in gender neutral terms. So, you know, saying pregnant people or menstruators instead of just saying women. Um, and, you know, it's impossible not to notice that nobody has insisted that the word man or men be changed to be spelt MXN. It's just women. No so why is that? Why well, is nobody... I think lots of people are asking it. It's just that the the institutions that are 
um, pushing this new language and this new ideology on, on everyone else. Don't give a shit what feminists like and what women are saying on Twitter. And I mean, it is shocking because it's such a, it's such a minority issue and it's such a silly issue. And it's something that, you know, most people in the world wouldn't even be aware is happening and certainly wouldn't care. Um, they'd be like, what? No, this is the word. And I mean, this th- this language change is only applicable to the English language as far as I'm aware. Um, but I mean, I, you have to sort of think that this is, whether intentional or not, it's chipping away at women's power. You know what I mean? Like it's chipping away. It's obviously destroying the feminist movement and everything that we've fought for over the past, you know, century plus, um, you know, we're losing these spaces that, that women worked so hard to create transition houses, places like that. Um, we're losing our ability to organize politically because we can't organize just with other women, which every other marginalized group has a right to do, you know, like black people have the right to organize around issues affecting black people with other black people. Women aren't allowed to do that. Um, you know, I just, I think that it's a way to undermine women really like, and I don't know how to, you know, you, it's, you can't necessarily say that everyone's doing this intentionally, but that's what the result is. Like, why, why is, why is no one doing this to men? Mm. And we're so, it seems at least from the women that I see who get on board with this is that they're so accustomed to trying to make other people comfortable and putting other people's needs first. So they see this as a, oh, it's just a a minor thing, just a spelling change. Uh, It doesn't really affect me. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to give that space up. I'm happy to accommodate other people's feelings. If you say it's progressive, I'll believe you. I'll follow suit. I want to be a good person. I want to be kind. I'll just get on board with it. And it's like, yeah, that that's how women have always got fucked over because we think like, yeah, we'll just make these minor concessions. We'll just do a little bit more housework than other people do. We'll just do the emotional labor. We'll just do the childcare. We'll just do this. We'll just put up with people being nasty towards us. Like this is how it starts. And if we're nice and we keep doing these things and we keep giving and giving and giving, we'll be rewarded. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that women do this in politics and they do this in their personal lives, you know, like with with male partners, for example, I think that women think and I will include myself in this. Like, I mean, obviously, I push back against this and fight back. And it's, you know, it's actually a kind of constant emotional struggle that I have in my relationships, like how much to give, how much not to give, um, what's too much. But we you know, men, I'll make a blanket statement. Men are much more selfish in relationships than women are. Women give up a lot in relationships. Not only the whole fucking baby thing. (laughs) It's like you give up your whole life and your career and your future. But, you know, women will often give up their career goals and their dreams to support their partner's career goals or dreams. Um, They'll put up with bad treatment, obviously. They put themselves second to put, put his, his feelings first. Um, they do the, the, bar, the bulk, if not all of the emotional labor in the relationships. I always have, um, honestly. 
Um, you sort of, you're always thinking about, you're thinking about yourself and, and why you're, you're making the choices you're making and why you're behaving in this way. And what can I do to make the relationship better? But you're also thinking of, of him and why he's behaving the way he's behaving and what he can be doing to make the relationship better and trying to, you know, tell him about it. Or you're trying to like set up therapy appointments or doctor's appointments or, or plan, plan things, plan vacations, plan, you know, events that are going to make your relationship better and help you to grow stronger and help you connect and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, men don't so often do those kinds of things. And I think that this is, also extended into our politics. Um, And I think that we think, I think that women think, you know, like, if I'm really nice to this man, if I really support this man, you know, if I lift him up, if I stay positive, like, hey, honey, no, 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 then he'll repay me with this love and loyalty and generosity that I'm giving towards him, this compassion. And too often, that's not the fucking case at all. And you just give up everything and end up resenting this person. Um, And then even more so if your relationship falls apart or he has an affair or divorces you or whatever. And you're like, Mm -hmm. well, I just gave up 10 or 20 or maybe more years of my life for you. And I got nothing in return. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because like factually speaking, I think some people might be like, oh, you're generalizing and you're making assumptions. And that's true. But like statistically speaking, what you're saying actually stacks up. Women tend to overfunction in relationships. Men tend to underfunction. Women tend to know that emotional problems exist far before men ever do. And they feel it far more than uh, the male perspective who might think that there is no issue. They might catch on six months later and it impacts them far less. Um, And that's just what the research shows. It's not like uh, a generalization that men feel less. It's just that they tend to be less negatively affected by emotional issues in the relationship. Um, And so women tend to try and do the work for two. We're like, we'll do all the emotional work. We'll do enough emotional work for two people and then the relationship will be perfect. And of course it doesn't work because we're just giving up ourselves for the other person. And I feel like that's very much what women are doing, trying to be progressive right now is like, I'll just give up everything for other people. I don't have needs. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about women. Don't worry about issues that affect me specifically. Don't even worry about the word woman. Take it, take everything. I don't actually care about me. I care about you. So let's put you in charge. Let's make you the focus. And I'll do all of my, all of my labor and all of my effort for other people who feel like I should be helping them. Yeah. And, and not only that, but you know, it's how the, the feminist movement has approached their own political goals so as far as I can tell, feminism is the only movement that feels a need and demands of, of other women that we incorporate all these other political movements and all these other identities and all these other issues into our movement and our goals. So, mm-hmm. you know, things like, oh, well, if you're a feminist, you have to support Black Lives Matter. If you're mm-hmm. a feminist, you have to be anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm. If you're a feminist, you have to um, support... Be intersectional. Be intersectional. Um, Which means everything else, right? You have to care about everything else in your feminism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You have to, you have to, you have to prioritize the needs or desires of people who identify as trans, whether those people are women or not. Um, you have to prioritize the needs of men of color. Um, you know, and I'm not saying don't do these things. I'm not saying don't care about other people and don't care about other causes, but demanding that that be a priority specifically within the feminist movement and saying, you know, you can't be a feminist and you can't, you can't be a part of the women's movement, which is insane. Um, unless you prioritize these issues is ridiculous. I mean, feminism is about women's rights, period. And I actually, I wanted to clarify because after, um, when we did that show, talking about like, is feminism canceled? Um, what I've been sort of thinking about lately, which I, I don't think I specifically said during that episode, and I should have is that I don't think I don't I don't really think that it's important to use the term feminism anymore. I think that it's important to say women's rights. And not just important, it's just that it makes more... Now, you know, nobody knows what feminism means. It apparently means everything. You have to also be an environmentalist. Like, yeah. it's like, okay. Like, no, it's nothing. This, this is supposed to just be ba- about fighting for basic women's rights. That's it. And, you know, there can be more stuff. There can be more analysis. But that's the crux of it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you support these other movements. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. And all these women are so busy sucking up to men essentially and, and, you know, trying to prioritize and, and suck up to and glom on to like the socialists and the Marx Marxists and black lives matter and trans activism and the environmentalists or whatever in the hopes that they'll return the favor. And they never fucking return the favor. They have never in all of history returned the favor. I mean, black men bailed on us and the other male abolitionists and even a lot of the female abolitionists bailed on us back when women were fighting for the vote. Like, did we not learn our lesson then? No. Did we not learn our lesson in the 70s when all those leftist men bailed on us? No. Like, here's the thing, though. If you're if you're giving up your space and energy and boundaries to further other people's needs rather than your own needs you can't do it expecting you're going to get something back because you you probably won't you'll get resentment and you'll people don't get something extra from you like i'm gonna i'm gonna do you a favor you know a lot of people have this with a friend where it's like the friend that they really helped out when they went through a hard time and they drove them around and they you cooked dinner for them and and then their friend kind of just expects more of it and they're like oh I thought that they would turn around and be really grateful. I thought they would like really value me. And it kind of turns out to be the opposite. And that's exactly what we're seeing here where it's like feminism is meant to be about everybody else's needs. And we think that it's somehow going to come around back to us that people will care about women. And of course they don't. But the other thing that I don't understand is like, do they do this in other social justice movements? Do environmentalists get told that they have to do women's rights or like do socialists get told they have to do women's rights? Of course not. I mean, look at, I mean, Black Lives Matter is a total anti-feminist movement. I mean, they've totally gotten on board with trans politics. Um, there's the nothing. Same Occupy, right? Occupy was the same. Very All sexist. of those leftist movements, the yeah. democratic socialists of America, the NDP. Um, I mean, 
I I don't I don't see anybody ordering any of those those groups and those movements to be feminist. And you're right. I mean, the friend thing. I think that's a good point because like it doesn't it shouldn't matter if you get paid back. That shouldn't be why you do things. Like you don't you don't support a friend because you think oh well when I go through a hard time they'll support me. I mean, hopefully they do. But, you know, you don't like you don't be like, oh, I'm going to help this person move because when it's time for me to move, then I'm going to get paid back. It's like, no, you just you have to just do it without any expectation, because otherwise you're just going to be bitter and disappointed. That's not how things work. And you can't you can't even expect anybody to remember like nobody if they're going through a hard time or they need some help, um, they're not going to be thinking like oh, this person supported me, so I owe them a favor. Like, you're just, that's not how friendships work. And people who think about friendships in that way are odd, like in a transactional way. And I know people who do totally think about their friendships and relationships in a transactional way, but I find it very odd. Um, You know, I'm going to support a friend because they need support. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, that took up two hours of my time. They owe me. Like, (laughs) fuck off. Like, that's, you don't get to have friends then. Like, do you know what's funny though? The people that are doing using the word woman with an X, um, I think often start with very good intentions. They want to signal that they care about this whole gender discussion. So it's a very public way of announcing your politics around gender to people. And so mm. I understand why they do it. And then I think the thing is that they believe, and this is what you're saying about the reciprocity piece, they believe that they might now be protected from some of the viciousness of the debate because they've signaled that they're an ally. And I think the problem is they find that not only are they protected, but they're more targeted because of the way they've publicly announced the word woman with an X signaling their politics. They're now a target for both sides of the debate. And um, in particular, the cancel culture side of the debate, which is the super progressive side, which is if you've signaled you're part of our team, the super progressive team, you've spelt woman with an X, well, now I get to check all your other politics. I get to check all your other tweets. I get to see if you've ever said anything else that I might find problematic so Mm. I can call you out. And so it's like you're signaling your allyship and you're signaling your support but I think that it, far from being re- reciprocated or um, far from being kind of embraced or met with compassion, you just actually become more of a target than anything else. Yeah, that's a good point. It makes you totally vulnerable to cancel culture. Like mm-hmm. if you play these games and you you virtue signal these specific politics, that just means you're going to get canceled essentially because you'll mm-hmm. do something wrong. You'll say something wrong. You'll have a wrong opinion. Um, but you signaled that you were part of this group that is like totally woke and always politically mm-hmm. correct all the time. And you've always got the right answer and you always say the right thing and you always have the right opinion. Um, and you always have the right behavior and you always associate with the right people and you always have liked and the right things on Twitter and on and on and on. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of hilarious because for all that, that, that stress and all that, you know, fakery, which has to be stressful, you know, I, I find like not being able to just relax and say what I think yeah. quite stressful yeah. and draining. Um, yeah. You just kind of screw yourself in the end. 
Which yeah. actually and conveniently brings us to, unless do you have more to say about women with an X? No. <laughs> Jessica no. Krug, oh, yeah. who uh, is like the result of like peak woke politics and identity identity politics, which I find fucking hilarious. And I find it even more hilarious that none of these people can see it. It's like all of the people who are mad at Jessica Krug, who is a white Jewish woman who claimed to be of black ancestry who came to have come from some kind of like ghetto situation. Um, the, the reason, the only reason anybody would ever do something like that is because of the cachet that you get from identifying as, as some kind of minority. Um, and because, you know, people have been told that it's bad to just be a plain old, like white cisgendered person. Um, and in order for your voice to count, um, and for, in order to like be able to speak about politics um, and oppression and all these things that we're supposed to be speaking about nowadays, you have to have a marginalized identity. And um, anyway, I'll, I'm getting too far in, but so this Jessica Krug person, um, she's from a suburb in Kansas. She adopted a black Caribbean identity um, she also like took on this weird, like kind of like Puerto Rican accent, I guess. I was watching a video from her and I was like, wow, like she, it's like she's trying to sound kind of like Latina, um, but also wow. in like a like ghetto kind of way. And uh, she I mean, she's she's in this video talking about how how we need to abolish the police, not just defund the police, but abolish the police. She's got all the right woke politics. Um, she she was a history professor with a focus on politics, ideas and cultural practices in Africa and the African diaspora um, with a particular interest in West Central Africa in maroon societies in the early modern period and black transnational cultural studies, God, academia, um, at George Washington University's Columbian College of Arts and Sciences. She's already gone. Like, I, I clicked on her page and her page is already erased from the website. Really? Yeah, she she resigned today. Um, okay. So I don't know if that that they took the page down today after she resigned or as soon as this went down, but already I was like, wow, cancel culture is fast. How did they find out that she's been pretending to be black, but is actually wrote a, she wrote a post on medium explaining the whole thing. But the reason she wrote the post on medium is because she was about to be outed. And I don't know why they sort of started to, to look into her background, but I guess a few other academics started to like investigate um, and like ask around friends, family, editors, so and so, so so forth. So she, I think, she caught wind that she was going to get outed um, as a phony and and wrote this groveling medium post saying that she should be canceled. Um, she should be. She, so she's self canceling. She's self canceled. Yeah. She was like, oh. cancel me. I don't know what that means, but cancel me. I'm a terrible person. I'm disgusting. Yeah. Like, uh, burn that's me, the, torture that's me. That's the new thing now, right? Like, I, there was a few posts from people about um, Black Lives Matter, like white people being like, no one's called me out, so I'm going to call myself out. Like, oh my God, get over yourself. <laughs> 
I don't know what like, they, I don't know what they think that'll do. Like it doesn't did, work. Did you see any of those? No. Okay, yeah. So there was a few going around that kind of became a thing, which was like, if no one's called you out to speak up about racism, now's the time to call yourself out. So like, let your friends know. And that I guess you're I mean, racist or what? That you hadn't done enough to erase racism in your lifetime. Oh, gross. Yeah. So, okay. So what did she say? And she also, I mean, she's clearly troubled. She, she blames mental health, health demons, um, which I mean, Rachel Dolezal, I feel so bad for Rachel Dolezal. Like, I don't know if you, did you watch that documentary about her? Yeah, I think so. I mean, she, she came from a super abusive situation, um, and, you know, Rachel Dolezal didn't really actually profit from her claiming this black identity. And she actually probably did a lot of good for the black community. So it's not like she, like, was, you know, making money off of this or anything. She maybe was, like, she maybe got some kind of status where she felt useful and important. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people in their lives want to feel kind of useful and, like, you're doing something good for the world. Maybe you want a voice and... Maybe in order to get a voice, you have to identify as a POC or as transgender or some other kind of minority these days. Um, but yeah, and she said, she said in her post, the mental health professionals from whom I have been so belatedly seeking help assure me that this is a common response to some of the severe trauma that marked my early childhood and teen years. Um, and she portrayed herself as the daughter of addicts who were battling overdoses and suicide attempts on the streets of Barrio. She claimed to be the only person in her family to go to college. Um, but, you know, because she doesn't, you know, she doesn't look black, like she looks pretty white-ish. She uh -huh. could look ethnically ambiguous. Um, she has black hair. She obviously uh -huh. <laughs> dyes her hair. Um, and because she, she looked white, she, she claimed that her mother was an addicted prostitute who was raped by a white man. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I find it revealing how eager people are to vilify others, particularly vilify this kind of woman and, and women like Rachel Dolezal who refuse to say anything about trans women like I, it's actually shocking um you know the 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 names that they'll call people like this like they're evil they're demons like somebody i think somebody at jezebel called her a white demon um they really want to destroy their lives like they really hate them and you know mm -hmm. wish wish ill on them wish violence on them wish that for them to suffer i mean rachel dolezal can't ever get a normal job again like she makes her money braiding hair now this woman obviously lost her job she's never going to be like there's severe consequences right when you do this kind of thing and there's zero compassion and yet and and the arguments are like how dare you co-opt this marginalized identity um you know people have referred to it as violence an article i read an op-ed i think in the washington post that referred to it as violence like what she did is violence it's like uh, she's mentally ill 
And she kind of like did the thing that you've decided people have to do. Like you as a woke person have decided that nobody has the right to speak about anything unless they have one of these marginalized identities and that they're evil and that they're inherently bigoted. You know, all white people are apparently racist and bad. Like if you're a cisgender woman, you have privilege. So you need to sit down and shut up. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Do, do the people that are covering these stories and like, vilifying and blah 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 Uh, how much do those kind of journalists and outlets have to say about like people like Yaniv and those kind of cases nothing they say nothing about it they say it's that's what's so odd is that all these people are people who you know promote gender identity ideology um and would never dare criticize gender identity ideology or gender identity legislation but have a lot to say about um, white people who decide to identify as, as POCs. Um, I, I uh, read an article in the guardian that I found quite interesting. I, I mean, not that they didn't intend for me to find it interesting in this particular way. <laughs> it was by a couple of professors, one professor from um, Michigan State University and another professor from Hunter College. And they co-wrote this article in The Guardian and they wrote, she openly bullied, mocked, gaslit, and antagonized Black and Latina women she encountered in academic and activist circles as a way to further authenticate and validate her imaginary struggle and holier-than-thou politics. She made a mockery. I know, right? It's like, wow, who does that? You? God forbid she do that. Like, that's only reserved for you. Only you're allowed to do that. You and your friends are allowed to do that, not her. Like, like, where did she learn that from? Where did she learn that behavior from? Where was? Why was she rewarded for that behavior? God, who knows? It's a mystery. She made a mockery. She made a mockery of radical politics and activist organizing by tearing down those she deemed less woke than herself. Perhaps one of the most disgusting things she publicly did was to attempt to justify the brutal murder of 15-year-old Lissandro Guzman Feliz, who died in a machete attack at the hands of gang members in a case of mistaken identity by claiming that had he lived, he would have ended up being a cop. Like, it's like, that's what, this is what you guys all do. (laughs) All the time. And now you're choked about it. Like, this is what you've trained people to do. This is how people yes. get by online and in their progressive circles by vilifying and hating on cops, by canceling people, um, by tearing people down who are less woke than you. Um, that's literally the name of their game right now. That's That's not an exception to the rule. That is the rule. Like, if you're going to be active in social justice activism on social media that's literally what you do (laughs) yeah and they're surprised by it yeah yeah i I mean they're surprised and they're i mean i just how can you be so unself-aware i don't i don't get it at all Mm. like how can you have cultivated and rewarded these behaviors and then attack somebody when they participate 
Is it because uh, it was acceptable when she did it, when she was passing as black, and now that she's white, it's not acceptable that she did it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it. It's like, if you have, if you have the marginalized identity, then it's okay for you to behave in these horrible, unethical, irrational ways, Mm. but not if you are part of the privileged group, whatever they have deemed is, is the privileged group, the oppressor group. Yeah. Um, Which of course would, would lead somebody to identify with an oppressed group of people or with a, yeah. with a marginalized identity. Um, yeah. Otherwise you won't get away with it. That's actually so funny. That reminds me of two things. Um, one is when we were talking about rioting and people were like, Oh, but you know, it's a righteous response to racism. So you can't, you can't denounce rioting. And so there's that one aspect of it, which is like, well, if someone's part of the victim group, according to social justice determinants of what makes someone a victim, then anything they do is uh, free of any kind of consequence. Like you can never hold a victim accountable for any of their behaviour, which seems to be, I mean, that goes back to the splitting thing, the victim versus the oppressor and everything the oppressors do is always oppressive and everything victims do is always victimhood and they can never do anything that's actually potentially unethical or maybe illegal or criminal. (laughs) Um, But the other thing is it reminds me of, I remember when I first got on Twitter, like, I don't know, 15 years ago and I was first learning about these concepts like social justice and it wasn't as bad as it was now, right? But I remember it being a thing of like everyone always announcing like their background and mm-hmm. that like, oh, my my parents are black and my grandparents are from here and, you know, we grew up in really hard circumstances and I have this, this many mental illnesses and da 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 and like putting it putting it in their bios, which people seem to do even more so now. Um, and I remember seeing that and feeling like very um, uncomfortable because although I could potentially relate my story to these so-called oppressions, it seemed really unnatural and weird to advertise them on the internet. It's like that's not. People who suffer don't tend to advertise it. It tends to be hidden away, actually, and it tends to not really be discussed and it's hard to talk about. And and yet all these people are advertising it and that seems very strange and fake to me and, like, I can't get on board with it. But now we're living in a time where it pays to advertise your oppression which of course is going to attract these very strange kind of almost pathological personalities who want to advertise things that are actually very, very personal and not really safe for the public. Um, But it's rewarding it. Like if you actually get something out of pretending to be oppressed, why wouldn't you pretend to be oppressed? Why would anyone claim the white male identity if you can actually get more social status for right. claiming to be oppressed? Social status and jobs and grants. Like yeah. and I'm not I'm not gonna say that, you know, white privilege doesn't exist because I think that it does in some contexts. Um but today, because of, you know, 
the politics of the day and the way that, you know, diversity and inclusivity and, and all of these kinds of um, ideas have been incorporated into, into institutional policy. I mean, she got a job because of her identity and she has a voice to speak to these issues that she wants to talk about because of identity. Um, And she wouldn't have gotten those things had she just been a regular white lady. Um, So, I mean, I think it like, it's interesting because it might at some point backfire in terms of the arguments around privilege. Cause you have to ask why she would do that. Um, Like if it's so horrible to be one of these people and you're already always being persecuted and you're always in danger, why would you choose it? Right. Why would you put it on? And people say that about trans women. They're like, well, why if, you know, why would a a man choose to give up all of his privilege to become a woman? Um, You know, like that, that would make his life worse. And I mean, I think there's a number of reasons, including, well, actually, I'm not sure how to say this on YouTube, but, uh, (laughs) you know, you have a sexual interest in dressing as a woman or going out in public looking like a woman. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a well-accepted fact that there are people who have that fish. Yeah, autogonophilia. I, I think it's being um, misinterpreted and kind of confounded with other issues around gender identity, but it's not the same. But, I mean, it's interesting because people who were discriminated against in historically have always kind of shape-shifted a little bit to try and fit in, right? Like people who were raised in really poor areas know that they need to kind of uh, fix their accent a little bit to like get good jobs and like dress well. You got to play the part. Like, or do you need to adopt a fake Puerto Rican accent to get the job? Well, so that's <laughs> the thing. This is literally the opposite of what we've seen historically. Like historically, darker skinned people use lightning creams, um, change their. Uh, my grandparents changed their surname from a Polish one to something that was English sounding because you wouldn't get hired for a job. So people have always kind of done these little things and now they're doing the opposite, which tells yeah. us like something's fucking changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it was, it was just so interesting the way that they spoke about her and I just wanted to like shake them. Like those, the women in the guardian article wrote, um, much like blackface minstrel performers of the 19th century, Krug calculatingly used the most exaggerated, hackneyed, and simply racist stereotypes of Latinx, Latin with an X, <laughs> and black people and made a mockery of their political stances. And, you know, any any woman who's been critical of trans activism would be like, this is literally what these males are doing to us. They're mocking our politics. They're, they're mocking our reproductive rights movement. They're taking our spaces. They're taking up these horrible sexist stereotypes and acting as though they're innate. 
and 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 saying this is what defines a woman these sexist stereotypes that feminists have been fighting forever also everyone's jumping on the drag queen bandwagon right now like drag queens are apparently like leading the political discourse in certain progressive circles because they're so progressive the whole purpose of like drag queens is to make fun of women and whatever, <laughs> like, go do it. I'm not going to try to stop you. Like, I hate it. I've never found it entertaining. I'm like, wouldn't I just watch somebody who actually knows how to sing? Like, yeah, I don't under- I don't understand this at all. And I often find it very offensive and sexist. Like, I don't find article, it fun. But that article you were just reading is literally that. It's taking yes. the worst caricatures of a group of people and putting them on display in an exaggerated, way. stereotyped way. And that's progressive when drag queens do it, but it's the devil when a white woman does it herself. Well, I'm not sure. The the trans the trans activists are trying to cancel drag now a little bit too. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, they just, okay. at some at some university they just banned drag drag themed social events because they were worried it might offend trans women not that they were worried it would offend women worried it would offend trans women this is the crazy thing like changing the way people spell woman and banning this and banning that like they're all going to eventually and that's why i say it was so ridiculous people spelling the word women with an x all started issuing apologies because they're like, oh, it turns out that's actually transphobic too. And uh, now I've got to apologize and change, come up with a new word. And like, guys, give up. Like all of this virtue signaling is not achieving anything. Like choose whatever the social issue is that you think you want to work on. Go into the real world and do something about it. Volunteer at a shelter or something. But like, spinning around in circles on social media about how we should spell woman and we should dress like this and we should let's not have parties that are about that and let's like give up what are you trying to achieve it's weird it's obviously trying to ruin everybody's fun it's a bit like a parent teachers conference where they're all debating the most inane ridiculous things about their how their kids should dress at school and what color should the uniform be let's not use this color let's use that just shut up. You're not that important. No one cares. I. It's so frustrating that this keeps making the news because these people are such fucking losers and such jokes and we should all just be laughing at them. And somehow, for some reason, all these or people are bowing them. down. Yeah, just ignoring them. But all these people are like bowing down and like, oh, my God, yes, social justice. Yes, that's exact. I want to do that. I, I'll do exactly what you say. Black lives trans. Oh, black trans lives matter. Yeah. I put it in my Instagram. I did it. Oh, my God. Thank you. You've saved the world. Um, Couldn't have done it without you. The So another, another, um, another sentence from this article that I found interesting was, they wrote, because Krug is light-skinned, her outlandish cape, this I find, the, they didn't fucking think this through at all. Because Krug is light-skinned, I don't know, even know if I'm saying her last name right, I'm sorry, but it's not racist. <laughs> um, her outlandish behavior was deemed passable and presentable because anti-black logics 
mean that white people are often more comfortable with minorities who are white and mestizo. So they're saying that she got a, away with all of these behaviors, all of her like attacking other academics and trying to cancel people and I guess, you know, like adopting all these stereotypes associated with the the identity that she was trying to mm-hmm. identify as because she was light skinned, which makes no sense because the reason that she got away with all of this was because she identified as, and people believed her to be a minority, not because they thought like they're, they're basically, they're destroying the idea of white privilege, but they're trying to also like inject white privilege into this. Like, Oh, the only reason she got away with this is because she was white passing. It's like, no, the only reason she got away with this was because she was part of this minority group that you guys have decided gets away with anything. If you're a POC, if you're trans, if you're whatever, you get away with everything. So they were bringing up the issue of colorism within People and colorism exists. Don't get me wrong. That's not. It totally exists. Sorry. Go on. So, but but so they're saying she wouldn't have got away with this if she was darker skinned. Yeah. <laughs> what? She Which was is clearly not true. She got away with it because of the the darker skinnedness. I mean, she she was light, but I mean, if she was dark skinned, she wouldn't need to come out at all about being white because she would have dark skin. Like, how does that? What do they I mean? mean? If having white skin meant that you could get away with all this stuff, why wouldn't she just stay white and get away with all this stuff? <laughs> exactly. And if being darker skinned would get, how would being darker skinned get her caught for not being darker skinned? How are these people professors? That doesn't even, like, a child could understand that that doesn't have any logic to it. It's it's very it's a very odd thing to try to argue. This um, is why and, The Guardian is trash. I, I fucking hate The Guardian so it was, much. It was a really crazy article to read. I mean, I'm almost glad that it was published because I just, like, it totally blew my mind mm. that they weren't, these academics are just not able to think through these concepts. They're just like regurgitating all these ideas that they've learned and that they repeat back and forth to one another. They're incapable of critical thought. These are gender studies professors. No, um, I think they're in, what are they? They're all in um, critical race theory, I believe. Oh, right. I mean, same thing, right? What does that mean, though? I'm assuming they're mostly sociologists. Uh, I think maybe anthropology. Let me just actually look. Um, So Yomaira, one of the authors, is an associate professor in the Department of English and African American and African Studies. And Yaramar is a professor in the Department of Africana, Puerto Rican, and Latino Studies at Hunter College and the PhD program in anthropology at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Um, There was one more thread that I wanted to read to you because I think this will really get you um, before we log off and move to Patreon only, which we'll do soon. This is a really good thread, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Do you just find things that you think are going to like freak me out the most? 
Um, I mean, mostly I find things that make me feel like my head is going to explode. And yeah, and then I think also it will like drive you insane. I'm like, oh, Laura's <laughs> going to really love this one. I'm going to surprise her. Because there's some things I send you ahead of time and some things I just save mm. as a special surprise for you during the live stream. <laughs> 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 Often the, the, the worst things are the ones that I just save so I can spring the money. <laughs> okay. okay, so this Struck one is... Me. This one is Diana E. Anderson. And actually, it's funny. Like, I remember this woman from, like, Twitter in, like, 2013 or something like that. Because I think we used to argue. I mean, she's always been on the third wave feminism kind of thing. So I think we had some argument a long time ago about, like, prostitution or objectification or something like that. She was involved in in that whole side of things. But anyway, so she, she tweets. Um... So, hey, with the new I'm a white woman pretending to be black thing, and then in brackets she puts Google Jessica Krug, we're going to get another round of if being transgender is okay, why can't you switch races? Questions from ignorant whites. That's us. Um, She says, let me try to answer that. So she explains. This fucking tweet thread is way too long, but this is how they do. Um... It has to do with the different ways bodies are constructed. So she's explaining why trans is fine and legit, but identifying as another race is not. Why does she do... have to explain that to white people, by the way? I don't know. Okay. I mean, that's how Twitter operates. Like, you, white people are terrible. White okay. people do everything wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you just say that. You're like, Oh, my God. Okay, so it has to do with the different ways bodies are constructed in society and in our heads and the ways our brains map onto those bodies. Trans people tend to experience forms of gender dysphoria. Their brains are built to map their bodies in a certain way. E.g. a trans man brain, a trans man's brain will function as though the body has a penis when it doesn't, which can be very jarring. This is a documented medical fact. From Dr. Diana E. Anderson. I'm joking. She's not a doctor. Like, what the fuck does that mean? A trans man's brain will function as though the body has a penis? Uh, like, is it? do you feel like you're producing sperm? Do you get an erection? Uh, Did you get fucking testicular cancer? Well. Like, uh, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, I, it, it goes on from there. Our relationship to our bodies, she's, I mean, she's basically saying that there's something different in the brain of trans people. And that's why they're actually literally the opposite sex, whereas there's nothing in the brains of people who identify as a different race. So therefore it's not legit. Like, I think she's trying to defend it as like a physical, biological, material reality. Right. Um, our, our relationship to our bodies is, in a lot of ways, rooted in what sexual organs we have. Apparently not, because that's all in the brain. Like, your actual sexual organs don't matter, because it's just what sexual organs you your brain thinks or wishes you have. Um, and even though gender is largely a social construct, there is a root of reality in there that trans people experience as distress. The same dysphoric reaction doesn't exist for people pretending to be a different race because race isn't rooted in a physical reality in the way gender is. 
You also don't see these people who switch races using the same descriptions of dysphoria as many trans people do. So because people who are transracial don't experience the same body mapping, which I loosely understand what she's trying to get at, because they don't understand, uh, because they apparently don't experience body mapping the same way transgender people do, and they don't experience dysphoria around their body, therefore transracialism is illegitimate. Yeah, and I think... Like, I mean, I I guess I found it interesting that she said that race isn't rooted in a physical reality. Mm. Because then I think she's admitting that race is a social construct. And, I mean... I I mean, first of all... (laughs) I think... First of all... Well, I mean, gender, gender is a social construct, and I would argue that gender is just as much, if not more so, a social construct than race, although there are obviously biological aspects to gender also. But, you know, race is a pretty, like, vague thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it means different things in different contexts. It means different things in different countries. Um, Most people are technically mixed. Um, And if, if race is a social construct, then... I'm not sure where we go with the arguments that the intersectionals are making around race and racism. And um, like, no matter what, um, if you're racialized, you're going to be oppressed in the West and actually around the world because they've imposed their, their Western politics and ideologies on the entire world. You know, America everywhere is like America. The UK is like America. Canada is like America. Everywhere else doesn't exist. Mm. (laughs) Um, But I think, I mean, what she's arguing, it's also interesting because what she's arguing is that, without saying as much, she's arguing that trans people all suffer from gender dysphoria, which trans activism would argue against. Like they would argue against the idea that you have to have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria um, in order to count as transgender, they would argue, and the reason why so many women and feminists got involved in this fight around gender identity is that it doesn't matter how you're diagnosed. It's not a mental illness. It's an announcement. And if you just, if you're a man and you just say, I'm a woman, that's enough. You literally are not, you're trans. You're literally a woman. Mm. So they would protest this definition that this person is putting forth who you know, clearly would be on board with the notion that if you just identify as a woman, you're literally a woman. Uh Um, And she goes on to say, it's very often that a person chooses to be perceived as a different race because they consider it advantageous for them to do so. White women pose as black women because they believe that identity affords them authority to speak on black issues that whiteness precludes. Um, note that Krug and Dolezal took on blackness in a very particular way. They took on the respectable black woman stereotype, except that they didn't like that. We just read an article 
arguing the complete opposite that Craig took on these like <laughs> ghetto stereotypes. Like she actually did the opposite of taking on this sort of like upper or middle class kind of classy um, woman of color. And she took all these like negative stereotypes associated with, with, with black women, like addiction, like mm-hmm. prostitution, like being mm-hmm. poor, like growing up in the ghetto, like mental illness, like a fucked up family. So mm-hmm. that actually isn't true. Um, they so she says they took on the respectable black woman stereotype. These people fucking need to get their stories straight. It's important that both of these women are involved in academia. These women thought I'd be able to speak better on this if I was black, which I don't think either of those women thought. I think they both, you know, came from trauma and were mentally ill, and I don't really think they so thought always through that way. Academia. She was a a, a prof or an instructor. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And so instead of acknowledging that taking on blackness was not their place, they instead fetishized and cannibalized black womanhood for their own ends to be seen as more authoritative, speaking to an experience they lacked access to, whereas a trans person will frequently have an uneasiness and dysphoric experiences before they found the language to describe what they were. These women who became black did so simply because they felt it was advantageous to do so, which I, I mean, we should be asking why they felt it was advantageous to do so. But, but I mean, yeah, I just, I just feel like it, it, it pulls the whole privilege argument apart. It's like, well, if there are advantages, then you can't argue that this, you know, white privilege versus POC oppression and suffering is is always true today in the modern context of course historically um things Uh have been quite different um as you claim it to be um it's funny because as you're reading it i'm like i can see why these these weird progressive analyses turn snowball into these massive arguments because they talk so much shit like the stuff they say is very dramatic very extreme like she cannibalized black womanhood like what does that mean I don't think it means anything but it sounds very extreme it sounds very emotive it like gets people riled up um, and so I can understand why there's so many debates around this fucking bullshit that these people make up, despite the fact it's totally nonsensical. It doesn't actually have any real, real world implications for the majority of people. These issues are just null and void for the average everyday person. But they use this like language and this crazy analysis that like it draws people in. Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of that is that elitist kind of emperor's emperor has no clothes kind of thing where people are like, eh, I don't totally understand all these words, but they seem smart and they have a PhD. So I guess this makes sense. I'm going to retweet this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess like I just find it amazing the knots they'll twist themselves into to legitimize men co-opting women's identities and political movements and political struggles in a, in a second. Um, and white men, I mean, which I thought those were the worst or maybe they're white women now. It's hard to keep track, but, uh, and, 
and meanwhile make the exact same arguments against a white person who co-ops the identities and political struggles of people of color. Um, I mean, it's interesting because it's going to like the world, despite what progressives are saying about the world being a split between black people and white people and the victims and the oppressors, it's absolutely not true. The world is becoming so much more integrated the world is becoming so much more uh, diverse, globalized. People are moving country and city and state far more frequently than they used to, where so many people are doing business globally compared to even a decade ago. So this whole thing about the world being split between black people and white people, it didn't hold true really ever in history, but it's going to hold true even less as time goes on. And part of me wonders, is all of this like viciousness and this crazy energy about like ending racism and fucking take down all white people, are they really clinging to the fact that their analysis is going to be redundant soon? And there has been periods of time in history when it has been redundant, but it will again become redundant because the world's not going to be split between black and white forever like this this has to run out well and you'd think that they'd want that except that they don't because then they no. wouldn't have anything to talk about on twitter right. so they're like desperately angry to end racism but they can't end racism because that's their whole life is to talk about racism yeah so, no, so what do you do get racism. more angry um we have to log off and go to Patreon only soon. Um, I mean, I guess like it. It was funny because on an episode, I think like a couple months ago, we talked about Gwen Benaway, who is this Canadian poet who's white um, but claimed to be um, indigenous, a variety of different kinds of indigenous and also a trans woman and you know people the woke of canada got really angry that gwen had co-opted indigenous identities but said nothing about and you know because and it actually does matter because you you then have access to money like you have access to grants and awards and scholarships um, that are specifically designated for people who've been traditionally marginalized in this field Mm-hmm. Um, but same thing for women and women have been arguing that many times. Like, it's like, okay, well now you have access to scholarships or like places in university that are reserved for women, because maybe this is like a department or a faculty that has traditionally excluded women. Um, and they just, they won't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, to me, sex is much more concrete sex is more concrete than race Mm. like you might not be able to tell a person's background or their race but you can absolutely tell everyone's sex you often can't tell people's race i would say more often than not i mean i don't live in the united states but more often than not i can't tell people's race like it you can't tell i mean i could be from ireland or africa it's really hard to tell In the places that I live, um, it's safer to not assume people's background because it's just like 
you know, that that would just be as it would just be dumb to assume. But it's pretty safe to assume people's sex. It's almost a given. Yeah. So it's funny that we've decided that it's the opposite way around when it comes to how you identify. It's really easy to change your gender identity, but you cannot change your racial identity, which is strange because I think historically people who have been marginalized have done, like I said before, little things to pass as being part of the kind of mainstream, whatever the dominant uh, racial or cultural group was. Um, and it wasn't I mean, as Jewish simple as race. people all change their names all the time yeah. to less like Jewish sounding names. Yeah. And it's not because they're black. It's because there's a disadvantage to having that name. So they make it the name that there is an advantage to. And so if today the issue is that white people are changing things to look more black, then I guess we have to ask, is this same analysis of race going to hold up? And is that perhaps the reason why everyone's screaming about how we need critical race theory because the world will end without it? And it's like, hmm, I don't know. The evidence... I can't see it myself. Well, you can't ask these questions too much because all these academics will lose their jobs. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have to you have to admit that if you've spent your whole life working on critical race theory and you start finding out people are actually adopting the oppressed identity, it goes against your whole life's work. And it also means that all of the this whole thing you've been building up to, which is always that black people are always oppressed and so on, if that's not holding true anymore, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to just drop your work? Are you mm-hmm. going to totally change the way you do your job? No, you're going to cling to it harder, much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're going to Patreon only. Um Okay, so remember to like, subscribe, and leave a written review wherever you might be listening to this. Remember to sign up to Patreon where you can actually ask questions. There's no guarantee we will answer questions on YouTube. Actually, I'm not really keeping track of any comments or questions on YouTube. But if you ask a question on Patreon, we will definitely answer it. Yeah, the questions on Patreon we can keep track of. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to The Same Drugs with Megan Murphy. I'm Megan Murphy. I'm Laura McNally. Thanks Um, for being here. We're here every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Pacific time for our live streams um, to talk about whatever happened on Twitter that week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot to mention how sad I am that keeping up with the Kardashians is oh, ending. Yeah. I know. I'm really sad. Yeah. We should it's about fucking that. Courtney, man. Yeah. She's got bad vibes, dude. Well, this she's just fucking like, whining about it. It's like, I, like she doesn't want to do it. It's like, sorry, bud. This is your bread and butter. Yeah, but Ooh, you know what? She she she's obviously gone to therapy and read some books, and she's like obsessed with boundaries now. She's like, I have boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that reminds me so much of all these people that like learn a little bit about I don't know spirituality or psychology or whatever it is, and they just turn into fucking assholes. Like they use this thing that they got from their therapy session or the book they're reading. And they say that it's making them a better person, but it's just making them miserable 
and difficult and no one wants to be around them anymore. And they're like, but I'm I'm better now. I've I've learned things. No, no, no. And it's she like, just didn't no. want to participate. And she was like, I don't want to like let anybody in on my life and I don't want to do the show anymore. And I just want to focus on my kids. And it's I mean, that's like fair enough, but also it's like, how do you why are you rich? Yeah. Like you're yeah, rich yeah. because of the show. And yeah. Kim and Chloe, I'm just like <laughs> standing you know Kim them. and Chloe. I know what they would say. I know what they did say. Is they both worked really, really hard and yeah. Courtney wasn't working as hard as they are. And they she just I, she was just always so boring and whiny and didn't want to do anything and didn't yeah. want to participate. And I it's like, well, they can't really do it without the whole family. So you know basically, because she didn't want to do it anymore, now the show's over, and now what am I going to do on Sunday nights all winter? I can see why Courtney became like one of those keto, organic, vegan, no sugar, because like she has no real personality or passion about anything else. So you like you like pick boring. that up. Um, yeah. But I also like. She would be a great social justice advocate because those are the kind of people that, like, if they have nothing else to do, just, like, start whining about social problems that don't affect you. <laughs> Maybe she would have well, stayed she did. I mean, when Kim, when Kim lost her diamond earring in the ocean, she was like, Kim, and she was really upset about it. She said, like, Kim, people are dying. <laughs> yeah, which is now what everyone says anytime anybody says any people are dying of covid how can you complain about anything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay well i'll We're see you on the patreon. real talk okay we'll see everyone on patreon <laughs> all right bye bye <laughs>